0: Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Buddhist Millionaire podcast. Um, It's good to have you back. I hope you're all surviving COVID. I am very, very excited about today because we're gonna be speaking to Mike Clark, Scottish born, well Scottish through and through, singer songwriter, who I'll explain as we go on, but is the epitome of a Buddhist millionaire, whether he knows it or not, we don't need him to know, that. that's fine. I was wondering, of course, because he's from Fife, if we need to get a translator, but I couldn't get one out in Amana in time, so we'll just have to uh, do what we can. Hello mate, nice to see you.
1: you? Nice to meet you, Mark, how are you, how are you doing?
0: We know each other in that, I was trying to work out how we met in that weird roundabout Facebook social media way. I yeah. think, I don't know that if this is true, I suspect that big oaf Jamie Gray had something to do with it.
2: It <laughs> usually and, does, doesn't it? He, <laughs> he does. <laughs>
0: and somewhere says Alan Borthwick. I know both of those guys were as I was researching your stuff more they were they were both instrumental in the keep moving video.
2: That's right, yeah. Which I love that by the way. Oh thanks man.
0: Um, but we'll go on to that in a minute. And I think so, but but who knows? But the reason I wanted to speak to you today is because um, this is the Buddhist Millionaire Podcast, and it's all about people who essentially are living their dreams, doing what they want to do, and actually trying to make money out of it. So, and you, I, I've been through all of your stuff, and you, there is no one more epitomizes that idea than you. So just to clarify for the listeners who who can't remember what a Buddhist millionaire is, Buddhist millionaire is someone who's doing what they love and uh Hopefully making a living from it. There's two kind of extremes. You're either the broke creative, yes, darling, I love it, but I haven't made a penny. Or doing well financially and not really happy. And I I've interviewed a load of people, but you're that right at the creative end. There's those singers, songwriters, authors, um, actors are all at that creative end. And when I saw your stuff and I looked at the thing um, on The Scotsman. Actually, that's how I found out about it. I got it. Jamie Gray posted your skinny version. Um, I think it was of Keep Moving, which I absolutely loved, right? And then I followed the links, and I went to the – I think I got the album Saturday in March. We'll talk about that in a little while. And if I'm honest, I bought it because I'm a big fan of – People doing their best, and I got it anyway. Right? Not really expecting it to be any good. Just got it because I like to ex—I like to help people in in the group. It's small industry. As it turns out, I love it. Absolutely oh, love all the tracks, and I've got got them all. In fact, my favorite is the start of "Keep Moving," which is kind of very sort of uh, dirty distortion. Reminds me of C6 Steve a bit. That intro, so I love okay. it. Um, so, anyway, so that's why I wanted to speak to you. So. Uh, Take us a little bit through your background, what you do, what you're doing for a living, and then we want to see how you've managed to make a go of what so many people daren't even dream of.
2: Right, so at the moment, right, so there's a a lot to this. Um, So generally, I've I've always been a musician, and I've always had these things where, you know, like where an opportunity kind of comes up, but then it doesn't happen, and... That happens to most creatives that they're always relying on someone else to make the call to say, well, you are worthy of doing this. You know what I mean? Like, yep. fans trying to get signed, writers trying to get published and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Uh, um, and throughout that, we just kind of plodded away working in various jobs. Um, Just basically, I was doing a wee bit better than making ends meet, but I was never really happy. I always seen my work as time that I would want it to be my own. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I remember like the recession hit in the UK and I was working for Diageo at the time. I was a cask handler. So I was rolling whiskey bar during the day and, and playing the guitar at night. <laughs> so <laughs> I sore fingers. But um, I got made redundant for there and I ended up working in Asda's, managing the booze section in Asda's. This, right. this new shop open. I was like, well, I don't want to be in the door. I like to try and... Cause it's, a, it's a weird thing. We're essentially... Money gives you freedom to do the stuff you want. You know what yep. I mean. So I was like, I don't want to not work, so do something. And at that point, I was like, What am I doing? You know what I mean. I can I can start setting up something for myself. And up until that point, um, there's, there was wee things happened. Like a primal screams tour manager was knocking at me to try and fill fill a gap for them. Now, I they saw that. here. Like, that's cool. That's a great story. It's really nice. It's, it's a weird one though. I mean, because everybody. It's, weird. it's one of these stories that other people tell me like they know better. You know what I mean? It's really yeah. weird. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> it's one of these, I've had this happen before where like sort of strange accidents happen. So there's a guy, Derek, who was tour managing them at the time, and he came down to a gig I was doing on a Sunday night. It was at one of my, my mate owned this place that done gigs and I didn't even want to do it because I was knackered i that was hungover would woke up on my pal's couch and stuff. And I thought, well, look, I don't, I don't want to let like Reagan do it, so I'll go down and do it. And. Um, and then Derek approached me and says, listen, do you mind doing like guitar work for other bands? Because I'm too managing the band. they're, they're needing, And it was supposed to be like a temporary job. Um, and uh, somebody was off through the personal circumstances. And he says, look, it's maybe a few months doing some gigs uh, and possibly a bit of recording. And I was like, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll help anybody. So mm-hmm. I totally cool. So. What's the crack? And then he told me it was Primal Scream and I told him he fuck off. (laughs) Because I just thought, I was like, get away. Because the weird thing is, I've never been one of these people that's like really fascinated by fame or anything like that. I mean, at at the moment, I've got a couple of mates that are famous and stuff. And Mm. you see people being really weird around them. You know what I mean? And I've always found that quite strange how people start Mm. to objectify people once they think they know them. Um, But Primal Scream as a band, I mean... I mean, when I was learning music, I was into Primal Stream. Yeah, you can't have
0: missed their influence. No one has missed their influence, whether you're into them or or, or not as such, eh?
2: Yeah, they're an amazing band. Um, And I think we were rehearsing with Little Barry at the time who ended up joining them. Um, So long story cut short, it was a really funny story. I think, I don't know if you've listened to Leslie's podcast, um, uh, where I explained to him, I was on the dole at the time when they asked me that. And I had to spend um, my money from a dole check on a last-minute passport. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. you pay like 90 quid to get one on the day. And my mate at the time, Edie Manson, who was like a celebrity chef on the TV, he gave oh. me a lift through to the the dole office. And he was like, look, I, you don't have to give me petrol money or skint and stuff. So I, I was basically just spent my whole fortnight's money on this passport. I missed my sign on at the dole, because of it. Because I was there all day, and then when I told the dole why I was getting a passport, they just laughed at me and kicked me off the dole. You know I mean?
0: Just, just, to interject there for for um, listeners in the states or anywhere that's not the UK, the dole is like a welfare check, isn't it? As- essentially, you. Yeah. This isn't this isn't to disparage you because we've all been there, but this is an interesting context. There's not there's not too far lower than under the dole, right? We're, we're then, we're moving toward someone else's couch, homeless. And i as a tennis player, I was there as well. I was um, trying to be that's, a pro temp. So that's, that's pretty low,
2: right? Totally, man. Um, but it's a thing, like, I always think when you're, you're not able to sort of earn or something, it's that kind of sense of self-worth that rubs robs you when you're on the dole. You don't have a sense of worth, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and you probably find that's why a lot of people, if they're on their own and they're on the dole and stuff, they'll just drink and they just need something to make them happy, yeah. you know what I mean?
0: Um, There's that amazing film about that. What's that film with the
2: with the? Oh,
0: it's a brilliant film just about that, and he ends up committing suicide. Not that's not good about it, but I'm saying it's very powerful. Do you remember? It's a, it's a guy's name, I think.
2: Oh, it's, it was the one where, when it came out, everybody started attacking the Tory party, and everything yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But
0: what a very up. powerful film. I, I'll try and I'll, I'll look it up maybe and put it in the link. But that was a
2: yeah, yeah. I, I, I've got the same thing, but I'm thinking about the top. <laughs> Can't remember it is. So anyway, what then happened is it had, I had a quite a funny story, but I, I never ended up going to do it. And I, I never even ended up rehearsing with them. Right. In some strange way, it was like to a lot of people that I wasn't validated to, it then validated me for some reason. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I mean, I had people say, oh yeah, Mike told Prime scream to fuck off. And I was like, what are you talking about? That wasn't the case at all. I, yeah. I'd have jumped on that. You know what I mean? But um, so I decided... When I was working in ASDAS, I was, a lot of people were at me to start teaching. Um, so I thought, you know what? If I do a few guitar lessons, I'll probably earn what I'm earning at the moment, and I'm not risking much. You know what I mean? I'm not having to make that big leap when I'm sitting going, well, mortgage, and yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, i basically yeah. I'm of on my bones anyway. Yeah. So I thought, right, I'll just jack my job and I'll start teaching and see what happens. Um, and within about probably within about a month to five weeks, I was probably like the busiest private music tutor in the county that I was in it was crazy you know what I mean it just everything just clicked together I met loads of amazing people and what I realized at happened when you're managing your own time and I was doing something that I'm really passionate about I mean I like seeing people doing well and teaching does that yeah. and I'm, I'm literally just sitting speaking about stuff that I'm into so I'm just really sharing my study with yeah. someone else yeah you know what I mean um and it just I just I, I then kind of realized I bought my free time I can work when I want can do what I want as long as I can pay my bills. And and ironically, the money was a lot better than anything I was making before anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Um, and I decided like at that time, I, just as I started doing that, I was in another band that kind of imploded. So I stepped away from music for a while. Was that just, is
0: like, that the lost generation?
2: That's right, yeah. 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 So we were getting to the point where we're all we're all really good mates, but we're getting to the point where like stopping becoming mates. And I thought there's no point in yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doing it's, it's, it's no there's no point in it so so we jacked out on good terms and we're still really good friends and stuff um and then i stepped away from anything performance wise and music that for probably about 10 years and just got my head back into martial arts because i was mm. always into martial arts
0: you're um, car- you're a karate man aren't you
2: a uh, karate and jiu-jitsu are you
0: are you a bjj uh, or- i
2: don't it's Japanese jiu-jitsu, but I have been doing bits of G- with with um, Stevie Ray, who was the Scottish guy who was assigned to the UFC. I know Stevie Ray. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I know who Stevie Ray is. I, I've watched all yeah. the Scots guy. I love it. Yeah, man. He's a Paul Craig. One thing I noticed, so I, I went to get one-to-one training for Stevie because I thought, well, look, I mean, I'm, I'm at the point in my own club where you're a lot of instructing and stuff like that as well.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And I thought, right, um, this guy's a professional athlete he's local, I didn't know him too well, but there's no way I'm going to go in there and show him what he's doing. So, yeah, yeah. I like, And that's where you learn, is it totally outside your comfort zone. So I yeah. thought, I'll go and get some private instruction for Stevie and he, he fucking decked me like the second day I was doing it <laughs> But you know, he's a machine. And one thing I opened my eyes up really, really well to is like the difference between self-protection and fighting is completely night and day. They're not the same thing at all. It's, it's, it's self-protection, it's, it's more based on well, I would say the element is surprise and tactical thinking, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and reading body language for people about to make a decision where when two people that know how to fight decide to do, go ahead and do it, the two years know what the other person does. Yeah. You know what I mean? I and mean, when you're fighting like a, a world-class athlete. Yeah. It's, it's a whole different I mean, thing. I, I
0: would even go as far as to say there's a third category, self-protection, fighting, and then martial arts. Because a lot of martial arts think they can do either of those two. And I would suggest the same thing. I've been into places where I've gone in with fighters and just absolutely owned, thinking I was a good... You know, I've been in this game 20 years. I can...
2: No. (laughs) No, I I don't have, like, a competitive streak. I always have this thing where it's like, if you think you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. You know what I mean?
0: Mm. That's a a great line.
2: (laughs) I like that. um, That's going somewhere. Because it's like, to me, it's like my martial arts. See, you probably recognize this as well. It's like when I mean, you get the whole myths about like black belts and stuff, right? So when you're back in the 80s and you don't have access to all the information we've got at the moment and some guy's in the, in the pub and he's a black belt, it's seen as a social construct. Like, don't mm-hmm. fuck with him, he's a black mm-hmm. belt. You'll mm-hmm. put his fingers and the place will go into flames. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah as you get experienced in martial arts, you realize that's not that a big deal and everybody's got a different idea what what it takes to achieve that. So everybody, yes. there's not a set standard. It's essentially your grade is essentially your managerial system to run your own clubs. So you know, who can teach you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But some martial artists still sometimes have forgotten that that was all myths. So you get guys that are like, yeah, I'm a black belt and yep. you're like, well, Good for you, but that doesn't really tell me anything until you put your hands on me. That's, you know what I mean? that, that, that's what I say.
0: I'll only know how good or not you are the first time you put your hands on my gear or throat or whatever. Yeah, now, now we'll both find out who we are, which is interesting because that actually brings us back to something you said earlier about. So something that struck me is the uh, people in the dole office laughing at you why you missed, right? And then you mentioned the word validation. And this ties in with that whole uh, myth of celebrity, which I put in there, the black belt myth as well, because that kind of comes under the same nonsense, right? And how much uh, validation or the need for validation and getting it or not getting it stops people from doing what they like. It's, It's lethal, right? It's absolutely lethal
2: absolutely man i mean I, I was listening to uh your podcast as well and you were talking about like how you get that thing where people say well only one in a thousand people can make it to their showdown you know what i mean yeah. and you know it's kind of one of these lines that a lot of clubs used to keep you going to go like you're one of the the better you've got this special thing about you but in reality I, i've always had this view it's like if i can learn something anybody can because i'm an idiot yes you know what i mean <laughs> if, you just, if you just keep doing it it's like that thing. It's like if a kid's got to study for an exam, but they sit and play the Xbox all week. I bet they're shit hot at whatever they're doing on the Xbox. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can kill it on perfect. Halo. Might not know where
0: Aman is, but can kill it on Halo. Yeah, absolutely,
2: absolutely. That's, that, you know what I mean? So, if, if I think the perfect storm is like when you you're passionate about something, you've got to study because then that's what you're focusing your time on. And when anyway, you can get yes. a pen, you get good at. It. Um, and that validation thing is like I think the martial arts taught me quite a lot to stop worrying about other people's validation okay. because it's really yourself self you're fighting. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You overcome your fear of failure. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, my instructor, Dave, is. I mean, he's a character. He's brilliant. He's a really good martial artist. It's not Dave, not Dave Shaw, is it? Is it Dave Shaw? Uh, Dave Dempster. Okay, right. Dave Dempster. So he he, he was one of the, he, he had his showdown and stuff like Vernon Bell and stuff like that mm-hmm. and, the, uh-huh. and Jiu-Jitsu to the UK and stuff. But yeah. um. Dave's quite a character. eh? So when I look back, I remember like, I mean, I failed my purple belt grade, and and then he he let me sit again like a month later, which is totally unheard of. It's really normally grade once every year. It's not a set date. When people are ready, they'll do it. You know Um, And I remember thinking, why am I getting to sit this a month later? And I'm sitting thinking about everything and going over it and what have I done wrong? And, And I went in and it was completely different. And I was like, what's going on tonight? And it was about six months later, I was talking to him about it and I was like, what was all that about with the grader? And he was like, well, you never failed a grading yet. So I just need to see how you can deal with failure. So he just failed me just to fuck with my head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that's that, in fact, I've got a note here with that.
0: One thing I love about your new albums coming out in March, right? March twenty-six. Yeah. And I, I love this because you talk about it being about states of mind, empathy, struggle, failure, defiance, yeah. right? Um. Yeah. And I love that idea because that is, you're right, you get those things from martial arts, but that is what stops so many people being, if you like, Buddhist millionaires or just going awesome. like you did. Listen, I'm, I'm not going to work at Asda. Not, there's anything wrong with Asda. I'm not, I'm not going to work at something I don't want to do and I'm going to invest it in time I do want to do. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a mental thing, isn't it, actually? It's the mental right. state that gets us through the lack of money and the whatever else we have to get through.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that what I noticed, right, is sometimes when I'd worked other jobs that I thought I was, I was making more money than I was needed, and although it wasn't a lot of money, I was spending a lot more money on shit to cheer yeah. myself up. Yeah. yeah. It kind of cancels itself. But anyway, if yeah. you're not happy... It's like a false
0: economy, doing, isn't it? It
2: is, it really is, because if you're not happy with doing what you're doing, then you seek that happiness through other things, and then if advertisers get a hold of you, it's like, well, this is where your happiness is. It's this T-shirt, mate. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah your money on shit to try and cheer yourself up. So I've always thought, like, if you can earn enough money to live, pay your bills, and have and spend a bit of free time, get a holiday, go out with your mates, socialise. You know what I mean? Uh, everything else is just stuff. Yeah, it's just stuff. You know, like you get excited, you got a new TV. I've got the new TV. Three days later, it's just a TV with a sandwich sitting in front of it. It's just, yeah.
0: Once that novelty's worn off,
2: right? That's
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That is the domain. Because when I speak to, because as a, you know, I'm writing now, right, full time. So I'm around writers and create I don't like the term creatives, but it's just just for the sake of this description. But do you find that that actually, that is the kind of domain of creatives because they, you're touching something else. I don't want to get weird and spiritual on this. Like oh, yeah. Something else, do you know what I mean? And, the, and then they start to uh, see beyond possibly uh, the extraneous just to get to their art. Do you think there's a, probably an argument for that?
2: Yeah, I get that, man. I mean, it, it, if you need something enough, you find yourself kind of driven to it anyway. Hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I totally get that because, like, creating music to me is like escapism because I'm just doing something and enjoying it. And I like solving puzzles and stuff. So when I'm trying to sculpture, like sort of sound scope and tracks, I'm always looking for what I think it needs next. Or what, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like sitting with a jigsaw that you can change the shape yeah. of the pieces. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's how I feel when I'm writing novels. Exactly the same. Yeah, you lose, you lose it's a big jigsaw thing. Yeah, absolutely. And and like with this album, it was one of these things where I thought, well, I never played the drums or the piano or that. And I thought, well, I'll try and teach myself how right. to get it done. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a good drummer or that, but I can I can play the drums for my own stuff. But if you ask me to play the drums for someone else, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I managed to get stuff to the point where I just sat and kind of managed to figure it out. And and it just became that. I wasn't intending on doing a release to start with. Then about three songs in, I was like, I'm kind of on a roll here. You know what I mean? So that's what I was doing. Um, any spare time I had, I wasn't sitting with a Netflix menu and I was just sitting recording all the time all the time and it? it's
0: very inspiring and that and that is the the secret that is no longer a secret and that's the magic that isn't magic it's sitting down just as you say turning off netflix and actually doing the work i mean it yeah. really is that simple isn't it
2: that's it i mean it, it doesn't it's a strange thing as well though because it doesn't feel like work when you start it right but before you do and i think it's that thing that we all get before we start something you put it off and you put it off. I'll have yeah, another coffee like, cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that it's that theory beginning where it, when you just go right. Well, wait a minute, man. I mean, I've got this clean sheet, once I put a pen mark on it, it's started. You know what I mean? Uh, and creating something out of nothing is a lot harder than creating something better out of something you've already got. I agree you with know? you. I have a theory on
0: that uh, because I've been thinking a lot about this. Because I mean, it's it's in fact. Because of you, I've actually I'm taking a small course in songwriting because one oh, of my right. one of my goals is to not not to do it any. I, I'm going to keep novel writing, but just to keep pushing. Like I'm doing script writing as well. So you know, just to keep every piece will push that. Uh, and I just thought I'm gonna. I just you know I can understand that then a little bit more because I like playing the guitar. I'm an absolute hack. I'm a guitar whore hack. It's awful, but I love it. Right. So Excellent. I'm. But what I found is is that. Just as you say, it's harder when you. It's easier to fix something that's already there, no matter how damaged, because you can yeah, start yeah. Putting stuff on. So I find now my first drafts are like a creative vomit, right? I'm not even. Yeah. I'm not even expecting it to be good, but it's much easier on second to kind of. I've got something I can move, and and so going back to my point of why it's difficult for people to start. I think uh, when I was first writing, so this is a long time ago. I think it was hard to start because I didn't want to be shit.
2: Yeah. It's that validation. 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 Yes, it's, 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 that's it. I mean, and I think when, when you think of when you think of like validation in a logical sense rather than an emotional one, the type of people that would put you down or be negative about something you're passionate about, yeah. they're shit people. So by default, their opinion doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mean? Yeah. So if you're happy with what you're doing, you're the only person you really need to make happy with it. So like, for instance, like for me, bringing out music, I'm always a bit apprehensive about how it's going to be received, but the bottom line is, is people aren't everything. I mean, if I farted into a canny soup and recorded it, someone will think it's amazing. Yeah. The yeah. same as not how well I think I've written something, somebody's going to think it's absolute horseshit. So as long as I'm content with it, then...
0: I, that's a good point there. Can I just stop you on that? Because that's a, yeah. it's been on my mind a lot, right? You clearly... So two things here. You clearly are doing the work and it's showing in your work, right? That That's no, there's no uh, coincidence there, right? And, and you're right. There is a market for everything,
1: right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And social media and all the different publishing streams, I think okay. is a double-edged blade. Let me take writing. I could buy 10, and you wouldn't tell me, 10 self-published books, Right. in my home and 10 traditionally published books.
1: Yeah.
0: And I could tell you which one is which. Because the thing about traditional stuff, you do have a team that holds you to a higher standard. Do you find it's when people are not doing the work. Right. So if I just release stuff, I could record a thing now. Right. On my guitar, put it out and then tell everyone I'm the new thing. And I haven't done the work that you have clearly done. Does that drive you mad?
2: Uh, there's bits, uh, I mean, you could get that. I think like, as musicians, you do get a lot of musicians that envy envious other musicians' success, because you look at, like, you get, like, what did the fox say? And there's some loads of shit that, yeah. that made fortunes and stuff.
1: Yeah.
2: But I think, like, I, I do believe in what you're saying, is, like, the, the market's kind of saturated with stuff, and it's really, it's good in a way where it's accessible but it's bad in a way a lot of the good stuff gets lost. Yeah. You know what I mean? The entry level and is
0: so low that it doesn't sift standard necessarily.
2: Yeah, and, and it's a weird thing as well, man, is like, can people that are still entitled to like something I don't. You know what I mean? Uh, but there is, what I don't like is when you get some people that aren't really good musicians getting a bit of success but then claiming they're great at what they do. It's just right. like, well, you're not really man. I've, I've got mates that work in pubs that wipe the floor with you. Yeah. But on another, another thing, I mean, it, no matter how well they do, anyway, it's not really taking sandwiches at my fridge anyway, Matt. You know what I mean? Uh, so I don't let like, it get to me. It, it doesn't let me. It doesn't make me reevaluate myself in some way. Yeah. I just kind of think, well, that's just the uh, just life really. Would, uh, you're not directly being rewarded for the work you put in with anything that's doing a consumer to buy it. Really, yeah. you know what I mean? But uh, yeah. that
0: is another. See, that I see is uh, another Buddhist millionaire trait. Is that The people who've um, kind of properly uh, or fully immersed in their work are, are so kind of peaceful at it. That the shit that goes on around them, they're like, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm just happy to go into my room and write my stuff. And that I find that I find that really interesting. Those who know very rarely tell you or shout about it or moan about others. And those who don't do all the shouting. You know, the empty kettle boils without mm-hmm. this stuff. And I see that as another Buddhist millionaire in people who are just doing the work. It's just they're kind of too busy to be
2: moaning about those who are. There. And you're right because it does. If you get yourself caught in that then you're too busy looking at everything else to sit and spend that time on what you're doing yourself. You know what I mean? It's, it's like when you look at, I mean, it must be brutal being a teenager of the new way, like Instagram and stuff, because all the pictures of people with six parks and yeah. you know, the, the social pressure must be incredible. But it's that thing is too many people are sitting looking at things that they want to do rather than getting it and doing them. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like they're living life by proxy. You know yeah. what I mean? Eh? So, you, you, so you see guys like, that is it, that is it, Berzellian. pronounces, his, his surname Dan Berzellian. Uh, he's got a massive following because people are, they don't even know they're doing it. They're living his life by proxy. They're looking at Making all the
1: things he's famous, sort of stuff.
2: Yeah. Kins are looking at, they're watching all the photos of things he's doing, and it makes them feel a wee bit like they're a part of it. are mm. really that's, that's, it's a recipe for depression, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: speaking of, speaking of
2: youngsters, so two,
0: two nice segue there on the, um, I've always wanted to say this we've got, we've got <laughs> i've always wanted to do this ever since radio, radio days we've got an excuse exclusive coming up later new track <laughs> from mike clark scottish but oh, i love that how good is that I, I i've got to be snapped up by any radio station anywhere around uh, <laughs> uh so we're going to look at your track a uh, new track that comes out on the 19th which i remember because it's my daughter's birthday so we'll talk about that in a second but your daughter's birthday she's 23 so thinking of young people right you are in one of those um worlds as I was as a tennis player you're in one of those uh don't be so ridiculous worlds mom I want to be for me actually my parents were quite good about it but I want to be a pro tennis player don't be so ridiculous darling I want to be a uh, you know a singer songwriter don't be one of those worlds right yes. so and clearly you're making it work so for the young people be- or anybody but I'm thinking of young people particularly as they come out what advice would you say to them early doors knowing they don't hear anything
2: I mean, it depends what it is that you're looking for. But if someone truly makes you happy and you keep doing it, you you eventually become what would be... I don't, I don't believe there's a mastery anything, but be something that, that people would observe as being a mastery, whatever that is. Hmm. Um, and you either get paid for doing it for someone or you get paid to teach someone how to do it.
3: Hmm.
2: You know what I mean? So it's... I've always found... See, like, that thing you're doing, that... that you mentioned like they touched on the "don't be ridiculous" thing. I I'm quite supportive parents as well. They were brilliant. They were just yeah, like, okay. my, my my dad said to me, he says, "Look, Mike, there's only two things I want you to do: be happy and don't be a dickhead." And that was it. So that, that was, that was it. Market. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I was quite lucky that way. I've always had encouragement for yeah, that side, actually. Yeah. So that's
0: why I can't, I can't hand on heart say I know that experience, but I hear it all the time.
2: Yeah, man, I've seen it, and it's that it's like that thing is like, you know, it's a lot of people that go to the same school. It's not so much now, but they'll go to the same school and a lot of them will get jobs in the same place, mm. the place up there that sells whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, so look at this social construct that's where your security is. You know what I mean? Had, but then you're really relying on somebody else for mm. your happiness. If, you, if you're going and working in a factory, for instance, you can't really, I don't think anybody can say, look, I love sticking labels on bottles mm. all day. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think if there's something that, you're passionate about, don't you care about the money? Because I, I found as well, doing what I'm doing, I buy less shit. I did not even need to cheer myself up so much. I like, I mean, what I am missing is contact with my friends because I'm quite a, a, a social flower, as, as you would say, Like, but um, when it really comes down to it, it's like, you know, I've got a good life, Matt. I've got good genuine mates. You know what I mean? I get to spend time doing the thing that if I was working, this is the thing I'd be doing in my spare time to cheer myself up, you know what I mean? I, um, and I didn't really feel the need to be amazed all the time or having to go buy something. Hmm. I've, I've collected loads of Adidas trainers through the lockdown because there's been loads of sales on. <laughs> but um, And I think, like, I, I suffer, like, spectral traits. So it's like I was I was collecting Jack Daniels for a while and uh, I get into these things. So that type of trait, it helps me as a learner because I'm I've always had this, like, Driving focus, like in martial arts and figuring things that I would always be sitting driven at. It. But for a personal level, the, the sort of spectral thing works against me a wee bit for certain things. Because my mates are like, why have you got 14 pairs of these? <laughs> but I'm like, oh, but there's a color I'm missing. My brain needs to fill the gap. So eventually I do this and then I have to tell myself off. But um as far as like needing to drive a flash car or the, the, the general things that people would see as a level of success, it's just a Without sounding arrogant, I just think I'm beyond that. I just like, because that really isn't the happiness sits, doesn't it? We could,
0: um, we, yeah, this, is, this isn't, uh, and Buddhist millionaire is not about Buddhism, as i said before. People neither have to be Buddhist nor millionaire, although they're welcome to be both. But it, it just, yeah. it, it's a title that fits both, and you know, you know, titles are important, right? Anyway, but you could take any of what you've just said and put it in any kind of sangha, Buddhist, Buddha camp, if you like. And that is it. Their idea that um, grasping is the root of all struggle where, you, you know, going after stuff. I mean, and that is, it's, it's like almost word for word. And I think that is half of the problem of, of when people, when you try to, the Nanny McPhee theory, right? You know, the kids film, I'd said that in the last thing, but for those who haven't heard it, she says, she says to her kids, when you know, when you want, when you need me, but don't want me, then I will stay. And then the other way around, when you want me, but no longer need me, then I shall go, right? And it's the same as wanting stuff. When you want it too badly, how often do you just not get it? And then Um, when you just let go, I have tried, my my main thing was I wanted to win Wimbledon. All I wanted to do, I was obsessed and therefore I was shite. I just I cared too much right I would I could I was fantastically lost matches from unlosable positions right and then as I got a bit older I just I kind of just lost that and started letting go in BJJ I won the Worlds one year just because we just pitched up for a holiday went and fought I'm not going to say I didn't give a shit I, I did but just win the world. Be- because it released that that grip. Do you know what I mean?
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that happens in creativity as well. It's like, that ties into the thing where it's like there's nothing more dangerous than somebody that's got nothing to lose.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, so if you go in there thinking, well, I'll just see what happens. There's no pressure. You tend to perform better because you're not distracted by all these other doubts in your head. What if, why is this? Oh, no. They're not there. So So they're not... I always think that these kind of interrupting thoughts like that when you're analyzing you're too busy analyzing what you're doing to do it huh.
1: it's
2: like it's like me writing a sentence and someone coming over and putting a comma between every single word in it there's yeah. just too many points for pause you know what i mean uh, um and I, i'm a big believer in that like it's not about not caring it's about not applying so much pressure to yourself to over think it and really think that it's a difference
0: between not caring and not minding isn't it not minding has a sort of strength it's like well you know if I get a book I I want a book deal right for the next novel if I get it great happy days if I don't well I'm still writing the next one
2: (laughs) yeah
1: that's
2: exactly (laughs) you know I'm in the same position at the moment um where like I was lucky enough which was totally crazy because like the music industry at the moment, they're not like signing anyone. And quite rightly, because I they're... i to ask you, still, you about that, actually. what How is that working? You can totally see exactly why they're not going to sign anyone because they've, they've still got all these artists that are invested in. They've still got to recoup money. Yeah. People are not going to gigs. And, and what you make off online stuff, I mean, you, I mean, like for a million players in Spotify, you get like three grand. Do you? You know what I mean? And that, that's if you own the rights to your stuff. So like a, a record company would get that and then have to pay an artist a portion of that and stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? And the amount of PR work they would have to pay to get yeah, that absolutely. many people to see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I wasn't expecting much. Um, and I, I got basically yeah. a, a knock on the email um, for Wardlaw. And they were great guys. And to me, it's all about working with the right people. like. Yeah. Uh, so they offered me a publishing deal in the summer. So I was like, oh, that's a bit bizarre. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't really expect that. You know what I mean? um and that's been that's been going really well um and then i was thinking well would i look for a label for it because i was initially going to try and license it to a record label and it was before the pandemic came how out. does a publishing deal and a label differ are they not the same beast ah right they're not so publishing an easy way to explain it it's kind of like the intellectual rights to your stuff okay right so when anybody wants to use my music, whether they want to re-record it or play it at a place or put it in a film right. or if it's played on the radio, or even if I go and play it myself at a gig, then that generates an income stream through all these places having to pay for a license to use uh, it. Okay. Right, right, right. And, and records, I mean, don't get me wrong, the industry changes quite a lot and there's more stuff they're trying to put in it, but generally a record deal predominantly would be for selling records. Okay, right. Yeah. You know I mean, the actual product itself... So that's where you tend to find songwriters in bands make more money than other people in the band because they've got a publishing deal and a record deal. Right, right,
1: right, right. You, know I mean?
2: you yep. can write songs for other people and stuff like that as well through publishing. Yep. So it's more like a, it's like a songwriter's deal, if you like. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean?
0: It's sort of similar in the, in the book world, actually. So um, you sell it, so for How to Be a British Millionaire, actually, that, that sold for English rights with short books, or my agent yeah. did that. And then then there's the international because I hadn't worked out, you know, when you see people selling, you know, 25 million copies, you think they're not 25 million people of that niche in England. But then you realize it's the territory rights in the different places like uh, the book launches in. I think we're in South America
1: in April or something
0: or what, you know what I mean? It sort of it rolls itself across the world, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So the. So initially it's a weird one as well because i do like the music on it a lot of people think i wrote it through the lockdown and it was a business like the year up to the lockdown i've done it all <laughs> so i had the album back and master like january last year yeah. and then i was like i had a few things i had to kind of tidy up and i thought right i'll go about and i'll start asking about trying to maybe get session guys or musicians in know what to form a band around that maybe try and showcase a couple of things and then eventually maybe knock a couple of doors and get the right label to work with me on putting it out because they don't have to really have a risk in giving me money to go to the studio. It's like, there's, a, there's an album there. So do you want to help me work on putting that out? You know what I mean? Uh, because I'm a big believer in trusting people that are good at what they do. Yes. And a label will do a much better job of selling that than I would. You know yeah. what I
1: mean?
2: Yeah. Uh, but then the lockdown happened. So I was like, all oh, right, what's going to happen here? And I've started writing the second one already. And I thought, I know what's going to happen here. If I don't put this record out, by The time we're out of this, I'll have the second record, which will eventually become my first one because I'll bin this, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because uh-huh. it's always the newest thing you're happiest oh, yeah, yeah. with, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah? So I thought, right, I'll see what the crack is when me really put it out of myself, you know what I mean? Because I didn't see the point in approaching the approach to label it at that point in time, like, because it, it'd be, I, I kind of see it as being a bit rude. Can they're struggling and I'm knocking the door saying, oh, you want to put some money into this, you know what I mean? I just, I just, I just didn't think it's got a good characteristic to it. So I applied for a grant, um, and a part of the grant process was to show that I was actively trying to raise funds myself as well. Matt
0: saw the grant, applying for grant. Yeah, yeah, okay,
2: yeah, yeah. I so I applied for that for like the Scottish Arts Council. Um, I I never got it, but thought, well, look, if if I throw up a GoFundMe and if I can maybe raise like a thousand pounds in a month, it'll probably be enough to get me started. If I don't get the grant, and it's enough value to correspond to what I'm trying to get for, for the for the arts council, um, and it raised about four grand in about a weekend. It was totally crazy. You know what I mean? Eh? So I was like, "Whoa!" So, um, so that kind of let me get going with that. I ended that, up, that was a go.
0: That was a GoFundMe. That was a GoFundMe. I have to be insane. honest, I don't think I saw that. I think I missed all that. So I haven't. No, I played no. the album, but I haven't. Uh, I don't ah, think.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was like, "Well, this this gets this off the ground." So I was like, "Great." Um. And I've got I managed to get an artist to do the well, actually girl girl I used to go out with, um, she was like, Well, I'll do your artwork for you. you no, know, like a, a film director guy was like, Look, I'll do the videos and they've all done at great rates. Yeah. Um Danny Watson has been brown He's Danny's uh my radio plugger at the moment. Um and he's he's went kinda of above and beyond and nudged a few people for me here and there, oh, like nice. uh, um, and I've got a press agent as well, so I kind of just that started slowly just clicking and yeah. playing, nice. yeah. And then I kind of signed the publishing deal. Um, and then as, as far as our kind of label goes, I was like, well, by the time I put the album out, I might see what the labels are sitting thinking about in January because they've already got a bit of traction on my own anyway, hmm. you know. what I mean, so they can maybe just jump on it and say, like, we'll maybe we throw a couple of grand at PR and we'll put it this way and distribute it. Yeah. Um, but. It was—it was just going to be far too tricky. So I just thought, look, I'll just roll it the way it's going. You know what I mean, Matt? Yeah. No, I love it. And I, I think what I might—I mean, I might look for a label to work with on the second record. But at the same time, it's—it's it's not about—it's not about finding a label to like tell my mates in the pub that I've got. A record no, no, no. On.
0: You're like a proper.
2: It's well beyond that, if you like. Do you know
0: what I mean? You don't yeah, need that.
2: knock getting it. And it's not so much about the label, but but so much the people that would be working with me on it. You know what I mean? you you invest yourself into the right people you know what I mean uh? so if I find a label that's got the right people that think I'm a fit at some point then great but if not then I'm going to do what I'm doing anyway you know what I mean Love it. that's my point uh?
0: I'm the same when I do my um, and I do this sort of freakery if I'm honest so after I've done my meditation I have my kind of a bath my thinking goes on in the bath like dream tanking if I do my visualisation of what I want for example just similar to I'm not thinking of getting a book deal. I'm thinking of teaming up with a publisher who's who love what I, what I say and how I say it, and that can show me how to improve as a writer.
2: That's, that's exactly it. So, that's what I'm after. Where rather than working as like a sort of stone-cold authority with you, mm. there are actually people that have got a bit they'll share their experience with you and bounce yeah. it off you and essentially make you better at what you do. Yes. And yeah. it's like, that. you, you know that yourself, you, like in ma- martial arts I think is always a good example of this as well, is, who you train with and the way they like training can have a big massive impact on what you become Gosh. as a as a martial artist you know what i mean and you find that when you're with the right people did you, you get the right thing if that kind of makes sense you, but you, you do become.
0: have to be open because that isn't
2: uh that
0: isn't a default attitude i found there are a lot of going back to as we said at the at the top right some people sit on a black belt because it's status. Not, not, not in our circle, I would say, to be honest, because
1: of I would say man, there are
0: people not, actually look absolutely. for improvement and say to your, you know, your publishers or your teacher, listen, I'm not very good at this. Can you help me? That's, I mean, that,
2: you, you have to be open to that, right? Yeah. And I, I think, like, when it goes into martial arts world, I think, like, that's where people have that thing where, oh, you can't train there and you can't train here yeah. because you're at- what they're really doing is they're just, they've got too much to hide. They don't want to get caught out, you know what I mean? And, and I find that. And they'll always do this thing where they'll try and refer to some ancient Japanese mystical... Unverifiable, story.
0: it will always be.
2: Yeah, it always be. Or, or they'll try and use someone's name to validate their statement because the person is high-ranking. And it's like, well, the, it doesn't really matter how good someone is at something or how much you validate them. And the bottom line is the truth is just the truth, Matt. I agree with you, man. I'm I absolutely. Agree.
0: Although liar. I am going to try and get as much uh, legwork out of Mike Clark from Scotland after this as possible, I'm going yeah. to try and get into every. I'm going to try and get to every desert camp. I'll be like, "Do you know who I know?" <laughs> <laughs> well, we're uh, we're kind of like halfway through, or so, just over. Um, let's take a little break to hear your new track. Tell us a little bit about it, then we'll. Um, We'll play a little
2: bit. So what we got? Well, uh the new single that's coming, out is called The Air In Here. It's the last single of a trilogy that I've done of singles from the album before it comes out. So the first record was based on empathy. Sitting one was based on encouragement and determination. And this one is based on complete fucking mental breakdown, to be honest with you. The so Air In Here is about, I, I, I love this track.
0: I love this yeah. track.
2: Oh, thanks, Matt. And it's, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was like when I was about 20, I probably found myself in that place, so I kind of just drew for that to write on it. Mm. At the same time, though, I mean, people that listen to it can take anything they want from it. That's the beauty of a song or a bit of food, it, it can mean something completely different to someone else. So, so, I'm not, I don't like telling people what to think about my music. It was like, I remember like my old band, the magazine asked me to review my own album to them. I was like, well, it's not really my place to review my own album because it's, it's like my mate that gets called Skiddy. He didn't get to pick his own nickname. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah, like having an opinion on what you do yourself, is, is, I, I think it's up to other people to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great. Um, so, so yeah, it's, um, it's a third single. It's, it's probably one of the more anthemic sounding, anthemic sounding tracks off it. Um, and it just leads into the rest of the record much.
0: all right well let's um let's go over we'll let these guys listen to it and then we'll come back Nice, ma'am. Love it. That's going to do like the others. I love that track. I um, I do like your stuff. I mean, and I'm not just saying that. I I, I like the whole indie sound. I like the um, so I like the kind of uh, particularly on Keep Moving the guitar, the sort of the kind of open openy, slidey C6 Steve yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, I like that. I do like the skinny version as well. I think that's very cool. And new chopping Ooh. between all the different things. I,
2: I like that. I like that. That's like I'm trying to be like the Stevie Wonder of yeah. Scotland. <laughs> I mean, just trying to do everything. Stevie, that's the new tagline, Mike. Clark, Stevie Wonder of Scotland. The weird thing how that came around, because um, so the Scotsman were doing like lockdown sessions. And for those who don't know, the Scotsman is an old
0: um, newspaper, right? From like 1817. Yeah. I got a bit here began its production, uh, political paper in 1817, began daily production in 1855. So old school paper. And they did these sessions, didn't they? Go on.
2: A long time, yeah. So they had like Katie Turnstile and Amy MacDonald and all that stuff. So loads of Scottish musicians on it. And then they asked me if I can do like a stripped down locked-in version in the track. But when you hear the song, it's so layered that it's like you can't just sit and play it on an acoustic guitar and sing it. Uh, and even the fact that my second single, I, I tried to pick it to be like a cinematic sounding thing. So it's not really like a song. It's more feel like backing vocals and stuff. Yeah. And I've done that like a sort of like a curveball. So people don't know what to expect the third yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about a risk bringing it as a second single, but I didn't care. That's what I wanted to do. It's just, it's just, I, um, I,
0: you know, I love the way the, the, the chords drop in that. Like, it's a little bit like... Um, Oasis, I think it's Masterclass and it drops down the scale. I, I see, I love that. And it makes yeah. it amazing to train to, like to stretch. I, I really
2: I just, I love it. I mean, the thing that I got for that is like, I had like the guitar hook for it. And I think what was happening at the time is I was doing a lot of running and I was listening to a lot of Massive Attack when I was oh, running. Okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. have yeah, got that sort of long waiting yeah. piano thing. So I, I think, okay, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not a rip off of mass, Massive Attack and it sounds nothing like them, but. I kind of took that was probably a wee bit in the yeah, back no, of my head. it's interesting where influences
0: come from, isn't it? Like I have to be really yeah, careful what I'm reading when people like when I'm writing because in my last book, I basically started out as the book I was trying to write, and it ended up like the Dan Brown book I was reading. I I, I switched genres without even, absolutely man. Renata, my agent, without saying this is utter shite. When um, <laughs> I think we might need to, I think you've got two
1: books going on there. <laughs> oh, is it subconscious plagiarism or something they call that when you think you've painted something, but yeah, yeah, you've you actually just hooked someone else's door. <laughs> <laughs> is is I want to ask you
0: about because it's come up a few times: serendipity, luck, chance, uh, serendipity, right? Because you've got this here in uh, in this article where you met, speak about your train spotting.
2: Experience, all oh, right, uh, that's that's another one of these weird things where the planet's kind of lying a wee bit. So, keep moving. Initially, I was going to start sampling Begbie quotes over it because I was reading The Blade Artist,
0: okay. Um,
2: yep. And it's Redemption and stuff like that's that. That's the right? second
0: train spotting book, isn't it?
2: Uh, there's a few of them. There's like there's Train Spotting, Porno, and um, The Blade Artist, and I think it's Dead Men's Trousers, okay, right? Yeah. Okay, keep going. Uh, and I was reading the Blade Artist at a time. And I thought, actually, can it, the redemption thing, I thought I might try and sample some of the Begbie stuff over it. And I was thinking it for a couple of days, and I thought, wait a minute, I'll never get the clearance for it. Yeah. And because I really didn't work with sampling a lot, everything I do is all life, instrumentation, I was just like, I'll probably make an RC anyway. And I never bothered.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and it was about maybe a week after the single came out, um, Robert Carlyle, who played Begbie in Trainspotting, started tagging me on Twitter and popping my music on his Twitter. And I was like, that is the weirdest. <laughs> you know yeah, what I
1: mean? It's, it? it's just oh, right.
2: yeah.
0: I see. So now I have seen that as you have in your own life and in my own life so many times for it to be law, but we could be written off as just a bit mad. Fine. So yeah. part of the Buddhist Millionaire Project was about that. I started interviewing people who wasn't me, obviously. Yeah. And I started to see it happen, and I said this to Selina in the other podcast, so many times that when people have thrown themselves off the, off the edge, if you like, taken away their safety net, that things fall into place serendipitously. You hear this, and I read this, this is what, this. Is what, I was like,
2: you are kidding me. And That's you can't write that, can you? That's amazing. Yeah, totally mad. it's totally bizarre. And I, I think that as well, because I think like, I mean, I'm not really a religious person or anything like that. Um, And I don't have much to say about people that are. It's people's choice. They've got their own thing. You know what I mean? Uh, But there is a kind of way where you do find when you kind of hit a bit of a crossroad, it's like the the universe tends to give you the answer that you need. So if you just throw yourself into the deep end what you're really doing is you're taking it's not really a safety net that you were sitting in it's a a net that's really surrounding you that's stopping you being able to make other choices that's a great that's a great i mean so when you get to the point where you go i've got all these choices but now i'm kind of forced to do something about it you know i mean i'm forced to do something Mm. um then you start acting upon stuff because it's just lucky action really you think can you sit and think about you want to do something what you want, but without doing anything, it's never going to happen. You've
0: got to move.
2: The, you have to kind of reward the.
0: Do I want to say gifts? We'll call it that, right? You've got to reward the gifts, otherwise, you know, they're not going to keep
2: giving, right? There's no yeah, point. Ab- absolutely, man, and it's like you probably know yourself, Matt. It's like the, the world's a big, great place. You know what I mean? uh you know, I've always said that, like, if you get anybody that's a bit a bigot or a bit racist or whatever, it's like the cure for that is get them to travel. I, I, I can one absolutely can't agree
0: more
2: travel is the one that's it people are people man there's there's dickheads and nice people everywhere all shapes and sizes you know what i mean um and i think like once you go and see a bit of what people are doing you start to realize that you don't have to be doing what you're doing if you don't want it yeah yeah you know what i mean i mean don't don't get me wrong some if you're if you're a person living in poverty with responsibilities for kids and you're sometimes you've got no margin for risk that that would prevent you being able to do that so it's not like someone with no money can just go well I'm going to jump on a plane and go here yeah that see this this is a real bugbear of mine and it was what
0: drove my my first book the hardest path of pilgrimage with the view of because same thing young family my two were four and six it, it, give me a year or so either way, right? I can't, I can't quite remember the numbers, but the point is that always thinking why are people not doing what they want? Time and money, right, is the excuse. So I went away on this pilgrimage, blah, blah. If I can finish this with not enough time and not enough money, then basically, this is very short, but basically i proved that time and money are uh, uh, human constructs, right? Yeah. Because you're right, and I would argue, so it's fine us theorising, right? But I would say that even in abject poverty, that serendipitous whatever we decide it is, is yeah. there. But the problem is now, is one of, now I don't mean faith as in religious faith. Trust. No, let's not use faith. Trust. Yeah, Trusting, yeah. Trusting. Like, for you and me now, we've seen it enough times to go, I probably trust this process now. Yeah, totally. It to someone who hasn't ever seen it or, or never been encouraged to go after their shit. So
2: don't yeah, even, yeah absolutely man absolutely so it's that um it's having the courage to just take the risk if that kind of makes sense and some people that are already struggling and yet taking yet another risk is probably the last thing they want to do that's probably harder which is why um depression is so
0: insidious isn't it because it robs your courage if you like
2: Uh, absolutely absolutely because it's in your mind and you try and analyze it you're basically just feeding it yeah yeah you can end up getting into that vicious cycle where you're frightened you feel in fear and that's where you get panic attacks. It's this 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 big tumbling, never ending thing. And it and you have to get to the point where I think you think you're going to make or break and eventually you go, right, I not I have to stop worrying about this. Yeah. And then you do and it kinda of sets you free if you like. Yeah, you yeah. Absolutely. I am mean? so, a big believer in that. I mean, what is it what is it the you get the is it the is it a Venn diagram they call it?
0: With the no circles that interlink.
2: Yeah, so you've got like the three things. It's yeah. like it, if if you've got something that provides something good to the world, if you've got something that you're good at doing and and there's the same thing fall into your vocation, you know what right. I mean, that makes you happy, you know what I mean? Uh, and that's kind of like, I think that's the goal for everybody, but everybody has a different idea of what, how they should achieve it because some people are so indoctrinated that money is where your happiness is. That they go right, I've got a job here, and now I've got to try and get a promotion. And they didn't realize the stress that they're putting themselves through just to but do it's that. the wrong Way
0: round, isn't it? We're taught the wrong way round money first, and then to pay for your life. It isn't that, I believe. It's do what you love first, and the money sticks to it. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the principle of, of kind of Buddhist millionaireship that money sticks to happiness.
2: Aye, totally. Um, and because you do find as well people tend to get paid more in jobs when they're working for corporate companies because more responsibility comes with it. So they don't take that into account.
1: Mm-hmm. So they have more,
2: yeah, more hours that's less to themselves and yeah. more to the job. And, and then the things that made them happy in life. So you get some guy, get yourself a nice girl or whatever, get married. Great, now I'll get us this job and we'll get the dream house. And probably because his hours he's spending in that fucking job, they got divorced. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, ab- absolutely right.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, so you, you listened to the last podcast, but Selena, of course, came from that world until and you, and you know, good money. She was kind of one of our pretty wealthy clients, students, etc. Yeah. And the same thing until she says, "I just got to, just got to step out of that." And it, and it's and it's yeah. my role of writing the book and doing this podcast is that I want it to be. There's a danger. You know that part of the bookshop, which is a bit self-growthy and a bit self-helpy, and you don't really want to catch being in there. You know what I mean? If anyone's <laughs> seen
1: it, you're a bit like,
0: oh, gee, you know that that place because it can be a bit sickly and a bit cloying and a bit patronising. Actually, there's some yes, good really. stuff, but for every good one, it's like, yeah. And that's why I wanted to introduce an interview like not successful people who are living these principles, but are normal. Like a proper people, not kind of going weird and, and just all strange and a bit esoteric, which is fine, but but it doesn't help the person who's really struggling, who would like to live their dreams if you like, without going all oh, Tony Robbins on us. And I love Tony Robbins, no dissing
2: Tony, but you know what I mean. he's a he's he's a better salesman than he is a talker, like but as I say, I think they go hand in hand, to be fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um but it's like I think what some people don't realize is see when you're really happy doing what you're doing, see the other things that would normally stress you don't because you revert to what you were normally doing to cheer yourself up anyway.
1: Yeah. yeah. You
2: know what I mean, so like how you're talking, like how money sticks to happiness, it's like shit kind of bounces off it.
0: I agree. You know
2: what I mean, so yeah. you can, I, I'm never likely to like lose my nut at someone because they took a parking space off me. Yeah. I'm not going to get mad at somebody for banging into me in a bar. Because I'm already in a good place. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. You I I, mean?
0: You know, I really wish if if I had one of those kind of, I wish everyone knew or could could uh, feel they had that potential in them, whatever their whatever their happiness thing is. Because I genuinely believe this is not no disrespect to you, but we both said that if you, the likes of you and me can do it, yeah, you know, everyone can do
2: it. I, I think. Um,
0: and I wish uh, everyone would know that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what it's like. It does sound patronising to say, well, I've done this. So you, you, I'm already in this happy place.
1: So
2: yeah. It the, the fact is, it's no easy. You've just got to really admit to yourself what you want to do. Huh. What do you want? Can we, what, what is the thing that you want to be thinking about every day and it's going to make you happy rather than you can't wait to stop thinking about it? what's the type of lifestyle that you want i mean don't get me wrong if some people was like well the type of lifestyle i want is to go in big hyper yachts and that would make me happy it's like well you've got a lot of fucking work ahead of you mate yeah. but generally i think like if you want a good selfie sense of well-being self-worth then whatever your hobby is that you're passionate about do it just keep keep doing it you know what i mean it? um it's a strange it's a strange thing, I think, where there's also that thing that you were speaking about is like that, don't be silly. What are you doing that for? Yeah. But that all comes to people that really they don't see themselves doing it. Yes. You know,
0: that, Dieter's syndrome, right? There's yeah. a phenomena where, you know, people are – you go you, – you're cutting weight for a fight. Oh, no, not for a fight. That's not a realistic example. What, just, just losing a bit of weight, right? And then everyone around you goes, oh, you don't need to do that. You look fine. What is that? That's actually – if you change, then I'm under pressure to either change or to accept stuff about me. And so it's that the unders pull, pull, you, pull you back. I'm not sure they're aware of it, but you're right, because they don't realise that they too could go after whatever they like. You see that a lot,
2: right? Uh, absolutely. I, I completely get that. Like, uh, and I think, like, as a society, we're all kind of like indoctrinated a wee bit to be like that. Gosh. You know what I mean? you've got to really really step away from it and it, and i think also value what other people are happy doing i mean i've got mates that can some of them are in the rat race and but they're quite they've got their thing that's the, like they know what to expect they're in their comfort zone and they do spend quality time on themselves doing their thing and they have a great life um, so it's not so much to me about being in the rat race or not it's more about are you happy doing that or are you not? yeah absolutely does it does it do you wake up when the alarm goes off or
0: whatever or even do you get up before you're Do you go, great. Like I, I, And this isn't a showcase for us, but just as a point of reference, I can't wait for my day. No, totally, I'm, I'm exactly the same. Sometimes I get stuck on a chapter, of course. I'm not saying it's not challenging. And I'm not saying that sometimes it's not an absolute pig of a day, but I can't wait to get into that and shift it and change it and edit it and whatever.
2: It's kind of like, if you, take a, if you take a kid that loves playing a particular computer game, they're going to be playing it one day and never beat the boss and get stressed off and throw the controller at the TV. day is they are going to be amazing. Yeah. But the whole process for them starting to finish, they've enjoyed That's a it. great example. That is a great
1: cool
2: example. Yeah. yeah. So it's not always going to go the way you want it to, but it's about just taking the, taking the event itself and just, just being with it. Yeah. You know what I mean, Matt?
0: Yeah. No, no, I,
2: I, I Absolutely.
0: So listen, as we are mindful that I'm taking your time, as we kind of come to the end, I want to ask you a couple of things. Firstly, I just want you to um, can you tell us about the album. I know I've mentioned it, but tell us when it's coming out, uh, where we can get it. I- I'll put all the links and link them to this, but give us a moment. Sure
2: of- uh, so, the album, funnily enough, is called The Space Between My Years. I love that album. I love that title. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's got a big, ugly photograph in my big, monstrous face on the front of the vinyl. So, <laughs> um, but uh You, you so released, yeah, so-
0: you, you released it on vinyl, which
2: is cool. Very cool. That's yeah. the reason for it. Right, so as I'm saying, is like I could speak to you for hours about this, but what I've done with the album sonically, you probably find some songs when you listen to them with a stereo and you listen to them in headphones, you get a different listening experience. For it. Really? Really? You're, you're, some things, come through more, they cut through more on headphones through certain sides and whatnot. And vinyl, by it's just by the way it's cut and it's to do with a heat process, it, it gives you its own kind of sound off of vinyl as well. So, I thought. It gives it gives the thing a, a, a different sound as an option, but it's also something tangible as a PCR that you yeah. can physically hold, you know what I mean? And that's why I never went for a CD, because I thought a CD will just sound the same as it sounds if you get it off the of iTunes and your headphones, you know what I mean? Uh? Um, and it's a bigger it's a bigger disc. You can use it as wall art and stuff like that. And the people that contributed to getting it off the ground have kind of threaded all their names in the artwork. Oh, really? So they're always there as well. So, yeah, so it's a, it a thanks, you know what I mean, uh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. um so it's got the thanks in the back of the record for that. So you'll get that. Anybody that buys the vinyl, because again, they could just bang it on Spotify and listen to it for paying no extra money. And I get and I get that, people are entitled to that. But um, anybody that buys the vinyl, you get the digital edition of the album for free. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull the release date forward on that so they get to download it before it actually comes out. Ah, okay, cool. So that's 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 the idea of that, but it's essentially an alternative rock album.
0: Type I think thing. I think it's 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 a great. What I've heard so far. How old are you, Mike? I'm forty-one. Oh, okay, so I'm what am I? Forty-eight. So we're sort of uh, vinyl age, original vinyl age, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, and so um, a couple of Christmases ago, Sherry got me a new record player. You know. Oh those retro ones so when you when yours came out i was like i'm here in amman so i've had it sent to my parents um because they used to have my nan used to be a singer a wartime singer and on our wall my family wall were all of nan's records we had literally them all put up and when you said oh you can put up i was like oh yeah i'm gonna do that send it to cornwall so when i do go back to uh, uh come back from amman i'll do that but yeah i think it's a really cool it's a good idea the other thing i like about this album is that um and you've written it very much like a novel with a kind of a, a beginning, middle and end. Love that.
2: Well, I'm, I'm kind of glad you spoiled that. I mean, it, it's no, I do things to challenge myself. I didn't really do it so people would have to spot it. But I tried to write it like a film.
1: Dude. So
2: like on the album, like the first track, when the first track starts, it's kind of like, what the hell is going on here? And it's not until you're maybe a couple of minutes into the first track, it gives you an idea of what everything yeah. else is going to yeah. sound like. Yeah. So that's like the intro, you know, like when you're watching the film, you're like, what's going on here? Well, it's, it's the hook. It's the hook. You've, got, you've got that first
0: paragraph and a half to go, hey, at least I'm going to stay with him to find out what, what he's doing.
1: Yeah,
2: that's pretty cool shit. you know what I mean? And, and then it's got the end credits and the three acts in the middle. And I tried to write the songs so they kind of sounded a bit like soundtrack, but they were oh. actually still songs. Okay. And yeah. I, I did that on purpose because just to challenge myself to kind of throw myself at the way I normally write. You know what I mean? So I thought I'm kind of going to write a film here. that's going to have a concept to it. That is so very I, interesting. Can't I mean, don't get me wrong. It took me a long time till I was happy with it. <laughs> like, yeah. but I mean, don't get me wrong. You, you probably know yourself you're writing. It's like I think Stephen King said that about Carrie. If he kept getting another shot, i would still be writing it. Yeah,
1: yeah. You they do. say absolutely.
2: Walter yeah,
1: says this. He says he says that um, people ask him when when is a book finished or a piece of work finished,
0: and he said when I uh, know it's still wrong, but I've, I can no longer fix it. That Aye, is that's,
1: that's 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 what it's. Yeah, exactly.
2: So the, the, the guy that uh, that mixed the album, Alan Ramsey, he, he, he's one of these guys. He's great for me to he, he knows how I work. He, the stuff I do is better because of him. Um, but he's also good at telling me off when I need told off. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's, like, he's always like, look, Mike, because originally uh, there was about 15 or 16 tracks always working on. Right. And like, look, Mike, you're going to have got like 90% of every one of them done and nothing done. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, like, get the vocals in this, get that done and just put a line in it and it's not going to happen. Eh? So it's that, like back to when we're saying like that theory start and there's also the theory finishing to go, man, I've got to show people this now. You know what I mean? There's that theory going. Absolutely right. Because now you well, can't hide from it, right? Now it's there. That's it. So can you then you go full circle and you think, well, look, am I happy with it? And if you go, yeah, it's like, well, cool. People don't have to like it. I'm happy with it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. People like it is great because it, it makes my life a bit better. I can maybe yeah. go on holiday next year or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 but yeah. um, but the, the bottom line is, you probably notice this as well. Is anybody asked you like what you think of your own stuff? Yeah, and it's like that's a really loaded question. Yeah, I exactly. mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, my answer, I think Bruce Lee's answer to it was like, if I told you I was good at martial arts, you would think I was egotistic, but if I told you I was bad, you would know I'd be lying. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, my kind of way of looking at it is it's like, well, I'm not going to show somebody my dick if it's cold. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like, can you, you're not going to throw yourself in a bad light. You know what I mean? I
1: so place the new headline. There was another headline for this podcast. <laughs>
2: Don't get me wrong, it's not the best idea to go about showing people your dick anyway, but you, you can't get the justice. But um, it's that thing. It's like, of course, you'd be happy with someone to show people that.
1: Yeah.
2: But always, also think it's, people are absolutely entitled and it's up to them what they're going to think of it. You know I mean? yeah, once it's
0: produced, I think, again, I've heard this a few times and I'm experiencing myself, that actually, so I have that where I, I have written, that is the best I could do. And yeah. whether that is utter shite or people enjoy it, I couldn't do better anyway. So there's no point in me worrying about that, right? So you have, so Hardest Path is different from Buddhist Millionaire. Buddhist Millionaire will be different from Cindy. It's just, it's, they're different things, right? And that's yeah. what it is. And then um, I think once that's out there, it's kind of not my job to worry what people think. I've done what I can yeah, and so it's you like that you like it, but I can't change that. I hope you do. I hope yeah, you do. So
2: it's like, it's like for instance, I don't like eating turnip. And even as I got older and your palate changed and stuff, as your palate changes you got older, I was like, oh maybe try still can't eat turnip to save me. if if someone put turnip in something, it would make me kinda of gag when I try and eat it. There's just something about it. But so basically somebody was like, What do you think of turnips? I'd be like, Well, turnips are shit. But the truth is <laughs> there's nothing better at being a turnip than that turnip. It's exactly. the best thing being a turnip. I'm just no to turnips. Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. So so you kind of get that. It's like people are entitled to like it or not like it. Um, I, I mean, for the music side, I don't like it when it's, I, I've not had this done yet, and I don't want to curse it or touch wood. But when like journalists clearly give people hatchet jobs on their albums because maybe they've no gave them a pass to something, or, yeah, you get a bit. Of that you're, you're, you you're
0: get reviewers doing. who are busy reviewing, and it, because that's their, now that I don't like, which is, which also comes back to our low entry level. Everyone can have an opinion is not such a great thing. You know what I mean, yeah. Trip advice and all that sort of stuff. Got people who are professionals are going in and wrecking the play, you know. And it's just like, really, uh, just
1: review uh, it
2: totally. honestly. Did it touch you? Did it not touch you? But don't be a dick about it. Totally. But I, I think that just comes back to like the world is just fully humans. So it's not so much about someone being a reviewer. It's like, well, who is this person like as a person? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I've not had any of that. And to be fair, It'd be quite a long... So if someone gives it a bad review, it would probably still be an honest one because I've not involved myself with too much.
1: Yeah,
2: sure. These people on a personal level, be seen them at gigs or anything like that anyway. like, So I'm kind of... I think in a way where the lockdown's probably protected me a bit for that. You know what I mean? So I've, I've not had enough time to piss people off yet.
1: <laughs> Plenty of time.
2: Uh, oh, I've got time for that, mate. I, I, I know... I'm just running over. I just wanted to ask you this because
0: uh, I could speak to you forever and I'm, I'm mindful of your time, but... You were talking about, again, this beginning, middle and end of your track. And um, st- I, I mean, I love the craft and the psychology of uh, storytelling, right? Yeah. And uh, we're, there are so many ways to tell a story. Music, of course, is one of the most famous and writing. And I love the fact that you actually, that's, a cra- that's more than just the song, that's a crafted story. There's this amazing book, which you I'll, I'll message you the link, but it's called The uh, Science of Storytelling about the hardwiring of tribes and humans and why stories of all format are so important and i i love that and actually when you see an artist who who has taken time to understand the the kind of the craft as an the bits of course you know the different tracks but as an overall thing you look at the the track the the um i don't know if you remember a band called sticks remember it they, it was, um, it was like an American rock band, but they did a, uh, they did this great album, which basically is about the opening and closing of a nightclub, right? Um, yeah. And it, but it, it was a complete story. And all that, those, there were some 70s, 80s albums that did that when you play them out. Pink Floyd had that quite a bit. You play them out and you think, yeah, they're definitely rolling somewhere. They're not just thrown in. And I, I just, I think that attention to
2: storytelling is beautiful. Ah, yeah, totally, man. I mean, like, s- storytelling is essentially where people's escapism and relatability comes in, I think. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you read stuff, if it relates to you, it can give you a bit of confirmation of your doubts and stuff like that and help you feel a bit better, or it can just make you forget about everything and you're listening to someone else's story. Mm-hmm. And quite, I think that's where I'm a bit, sorry, because, like, songwriting is something that i like, I, I'll always just be totally hopelessly addicted to it. It's something that I always do. It's just a thing I find myself trying to do at the time. But you get to be a bit vague with songwriting. So it's not as hard as actually writing a story.
1: No. You know no. what I
2: mean? No. So, for instance, if you think about, like, one of the rarer ones, like Tracy Chapman, she doesn't no. sing a song that you can sort of interpret in loads of different ways. She sings her story. Yes, so she yes. she tell you exactly like, what's going on. So yeah. you know everybody's probably got the same imagery in their head when, they, when you hear it. And I think that's probably why her first album was as big as it was. It's nobody. Did. It's very rare for people that are even accomplished songwriters to be able to write an actual story as a song.
1: Yeah,
0: that's I mean, that's a great point. And I love that. In fact, I look, Tracy Chapman's yeah. stuff is. I love
2: her that. Album, I bought that album. I think it was four times. Was it I remember, cars. I think. It, it or red Fast car on it. Had fast. fast car on. It. That's it. But, I remember, right? All my mates slagging me off for liking Tracy Chapman. I was like, "It's like a fucking great album." Ah, oh, you're into Tracy's. They were onto like rock music and stuff. That album I bought it four fucking times at the same Woolworth shop and leaving. Like when I see, he was like sixteen quid because they were all slagging it, but I kept going missing. You know what I mean? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, no,
1: but, so, but the second really album, good. Crossroads, was also bloody good. It was really good. I mean, that was I think a storytelling, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Absolutely. So she's got, I think she's got one called Telling Stories as well, I think, like, But to the point where, like, Tracy Chapman, she can tell a story and sing it. But if you look at, like, Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan's a prolific songwriter and storyteller, you know what I mean? But he's not a great singer, man. You know what I mean? (laughs) And he's always trying to fit his
0: story into music that doesn't quite fit. He's basically how I sing in
2: the shower. But he's so good at writing that that shit doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And that's what I like about Dylan. Yeah. He doesn't need to be a great singer. I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i not into his mouth organ playing, because it does sound like someone's just chucked a hoover at a mouth organ. It just but, su-
0: sucking and blowing with it. He doesn't work his way up the scale. He literally sucks and blows the middle. That's it.
2: Yeah, but when you look at the balance of a guy like Bob Dylan, and this, this is one of the things that I explain to a lot of people when they think too much. The recording about something, they go, oh, the tambourine sounds a bit too like it was recorded in Spain. You know, They overthink things. It's like, listen, the balance needs to be right. And it's not about everything being the same, it's about being enough of the good stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: if you look at like Dylan, it's like, you, you, I don't think anybody with any real knowledge of what they're doing can sincerely slag them off and say he's bad. Mm-hmm. But his songwriting and his stories are still relative to the day yeah. they the were at the time he wrote them. So his writing is just so amazing. Yeah. It doesn't need to practice singing. <laughs> I
1: mean, I it
2: it's
0: need to... Also, how many of his tracks follow up, uh, show up as covers that you didn't even realize were his until you look at it and you find like a wagon wheel is one of them. I think by the, <laughs> I, I, I love that track because I can play it and I can sing it right. And and I didn't know it was a Dylan track. And I love the music. I, um, okay. Sorry, the words. I absolutely love it, and I can really whack it because it's super simple. Yeah, man. Then I found out quite by chance
2: that it was Dylan. I was like, no way. I I, I remember getting like uh, it was the Uncut magazine, and it had loads of people covering Dylan songs on it. And it had Mary Lou Lord. Uh, what was the song that she done? And um, you're gonna make me lonesome when you go. Uh-uh. And it was it was the first time I'd actually heard that song. I didn't hear Dylan doing. It. I was like, that is a beautiful song. And I can you listen to the Dylan version? Because it sounds so much worse than it, because I heard that <laughs> one first. You know, yeah, exactly. Um I think you like all along the Watchtower all that stuff, you know what I mean? But I think Dylan, yeah. I, I don't research people too much, but I think like Bob Dylan started as a songwriter. Yeah, right. But okay. he was so much and he was so good at writing stuff. They were like, look, we're going to have to give this guy a record deal just so he can get all his stuff out because he's just writing all the time. You know what I mean? Huh? I, mean so, I mean, it's...
0: You've got essentially like, like like with writing, you've got poetry and poetry and prose. Tracy Chapman is your sort of prose, right? And then you've got your kind of more poetic-y, let's see where that goes, symbolic stuff. But fitting it all to music is is class. Um, yeah, it's amazing.
2: Yeah, I, I see what it's kinda of like. It's like if you are writing a book or a novel or a screenplay, but you are also figuring it how you were going to design all the packaging for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, to try to package it, you know yeah. what I mean? It's you're like, what size is the book going to be? What colors yeah. are going to be? What? Is it going to be embossed? Is it going to be a hard part? How thick is it going to be? Where would it fit in the shelf? Yeah. And you're starting to think of all these right. things while you're writing it. So it does become one of these processes where you do a bit, and I've had things with songs where I just couldn't get a chorus for them for the life of me and just forgotten about them. And like three years later, oof it just comes out so it feels like a new song you've written but it's actually something do do Music new. first or words first or, or words? Uh, it's a bit of a mixture um, right. if i'm sitting usually if i'm doing stuff and i think like good lyrical lines come to me i'll kind of jot them down and start a writing yeah, okay. process uh, yeah, yeah. Um, if i'm sitting with my guitar on my on a about the music comes first so yeah. sometimes i'll yeah. try and write right. Music to it. I, I didn't really have, i didn't really have a process for writing as such a lot of people go how do you write a song and it's like well how do you cook your dinner you know what i mean it's where do you start you know what i mean so what you're yeah. going to put in the oven it's the same thing so to me it's it's a varied process where it, if something happens it then spurs you to do something else okay yeah if I, if I if i write a guitar hook i won't try and force it what happens is i'll sit and do something i'll go oh that sounds cool and it makes me do something with it because the initial idea sounded good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's the same with like, lyrics. If I come up with anything, I think, actually, that's a really good line. It kind of spurs you to need to do something with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know no. makes
1: sense.
0: They're very similar. Listen, wrapping this up, I, I-, I could do this forever, right? I-, I have enjoyed this. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this on, on a lot of different levels, right? Partly. Well, actually, as well, Mark. It's it's amazing, but just just wrap it up for so you. Clearly, are passionate about what you do. You can see it in every answer. You can hear it. It's just and it's in your work. Love that. So, with that role of uh, giving that to someone else, someone's struggling right to get to get the first step. Let's just deal with first step and one step after that. And that they can be tiny baby steps for someone moving toward having a life like yours. doesn't have to be a musician, but something where they're sitting, having an interview going, I love my stuff. The first step someone who's stuck should take and maybe the step after that, what would they do?
2: I think the first step is to see how important it is to them to have that. And would it really answer all their other problems? Because some people think they look for the wrong answer. But I think one of the most important ones is don't be afraid to ask for help. You've got to admit that sometimes you need to ask someone for a bit of help, whether it's advice, even if it's a wee bit of financial help to get you started. Because a lot of people, they've got that sense of pride as I want to do all this myself, but people, people that like you are happy to help you. I'm happy to help all my mates. I've got I a kick in knowing that I can help my mates. You know what I mean? I agree, I'm the same. I, th- I, think, I think that's the first thing. I would look at it as like, do you need help to do this? And if you do, go over your ego and fucking ask for it. That's a good. You know what I mean? Absolutely right. Absolutely. You know what I mean, yeah. if someone says no, you're still in the same position if you never asked.
0: Because so, that can also, st- you know, we talk about the serendipitous gifts. Yeah, that man. can be that right. It doesn't have to be a flash of lightning and a pot of gold falling on your head. It can be a mate going, yeah, I'll buy your album, or, 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 or I, I don't know, whatever. That's a gift, right?
2: Totally. Like, listen uncle has got a place doing such and such. His mate's got a studio. I'll get you a week doing there to get you started. Or, you know what I mean? People, nice people like seeing people doing all right. Yeah, you know absolutely I mean? right. That's it's completely right. So, and I think that whole, like, back to the whole fear of failure thing, it's like, get that shit to fuck and just ask someone for a bit of help if you need it yeah. and see what happens for there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, aye, that, that's what I would say.
0: And any bit of advice to leave us with that can get us closer to that idea of loving us. I love that advice. And if there's anything, any anything else you want to tell people to get them toward what you do. Again, not as a singer necessarily singer songwriter, but as just loving their stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, don't get me wrong. Um the last person you want to be in your 40s, probably in my head. <laughs> but um the uh, I, I don't know. I mean I think about it. I think it takes a lot of self-honesty, you know what I mean? Um, and I think if I'm being honest with myself, I always feel really like guilty if I'm going like, to tell people what they should be doing, like I've mastered it, because the truth is, is we're all kind of winging it anyway. Yeah. Everybody's winging it, you know what I mean? I'm still winging it. Everything I'm doing right now could be gone in a month, you know what I mean? If I, if I break my fingers at the cry, I'm fucked, you know what I mean? So there's all these other elements that, that can throw things the opposite way, but I've always thought, like, if you're happy, if you think your happiness is somewhere else, and it's like, well, what have you got to lose? Mm, mm, mm. You've, you've only got your unhappiness to lose. Really, you'd be going for it. You know mm. what I mean? And if it doesn't work out, you're just in the same position you were in. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Listen, man. Um, such valuable stuff there. As I say, we've we've kind of floated around each other on. Um, social media but to meet you properly is amazing again i genuinely love your work what i'm going to do is i'm going to put all the links in this in the bottom of this uh podcast so people will see it they'll get the um the new track we can play can we play it before it's released do you want it before it's released
2: yeah, yeah. you can play it if you want, man. That's, that's cool
0: fantastic and um I, yeah i just loved loved having you on and very very valuable so for you guys who've all joined us i hope you enjoyed that um as much as me i got a, um some really good interviews coming actually over the next couple of months so stay tuned and listen but uh i hope um hope mike you enjoyed it and uh listen all stay healthy and please share this podcast not because i need to be famous i could care less but you will know someone who is trying to um move to a better life work-wise so share it we're putting these guests on not for me well a little bit for me that this one this one but for you. So take advantage, share with people you think, um, might need it and, um, and you take care. All right. Lots of love. Speak to you next time.